Welcome to the John Brown University Chapel Podcast, recorded in the historic Cathedral of the Ozarks in Salem Springs, Arkansas. This week's chapel speaker for World Awareness Week was Reverend Dr. Eugene Kim. Dr. Kim was born in South Korea, where he served as a pastor before becoming a full-time missionary in the Philippines for several years. He now ministers as lead pastor for Pleasant Valley UMC in Chantilly, Virginia. It's a real privilege to be able to introduce our annual World Awareness Week. Now this is a week that we give special attention to both the work of God around the world and the work of the Church of God in the world. So last year, we got to hear about God's work in India, and this year, we're going to turn our attention actually more locally uh, to hear about God's work from a missionary to Virginia and specific work in Northwest Arkansas. So one of the current trends in world, world missions is that Christians from all over the world are coming to the United States as missionaries. And this is a really cool story that we get to hear about this year. Uh, so for today, it's my pleasure to introduce our speaker, Dr. Reverend Dr. Eugene Kim. Dr. Kim is serving as a senior pastor in Pleasant Valley uh, Church in Chantilly, Virginia, near Washington, D.C. Before that, he was a pastor at a Korean immigrant church in the D.C. area. He was born in South Korea, uh, where he served as a pastor. And after that, God called him to full-time missions in the Philippines, where he served there for four years. Then he came to the United States to do seminary at Asbury Seminary in Kentucky, where he studied world missions and ultimately earned a PhD in missiology. And now he and his wife serve as missionaries to the States, and, um, and it's teaching missiology on a weekly basis via Zoom to a school at a university in the Philippines. So it's a great pleasure to have him here. On a more personal note, though, I wanted to say that I met Dr. Kim while at seminary. He and I were working in the international student office together. And if you get a chance to talk to Dr. Kim today, I really hope that you get to hear his heart for the world, uh, some of the, his stories about his heart for prayer and the ways God has you know, really inspired him in, in prayer. His life is filled with radical discipleship and it beams through him. So it's such a treat to hear from you today, Dr. Kim, and please join me in giving him a really warm JVU welcome. Wow, JBU. It's my first time here in a concert, and I got, I got here yesterday, and um, you know, Christian just picked me up in the airport, and when, I, when we drove, and I saw nothing. <laughs> okay, no building here. <laughs> it's grass, and cows, and horses, and Christian and I, and no traffic. What a great place it is. I love it here, right? <laughs> and I could feel like kinds of family vibe when I came to here in this building this morning. And I really appreciate your welcoming spirit for me. And before I share with you the story, let us have time to word of prayer. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, your servant is standing here before your children. 
Let us have time to experience your presence, Holy Spirit, for this moment. And make us be ready to go wherever you want, me to, want us to go for the mission, Lord. Bless this time. Bless all of us, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Before I start with the, uh, the, my story, um, I want to read a scripture for all of you. It is from John chapter 4, verse 4 to 10. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon when a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Will you give me water? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with the Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. It is my honor and joy to be with you, John Brown University today, and I am Eugene Kim, as Keith said, and a pastor from the Present Valley Church in Virginia State. As you see, I'm a middle-aged Asian man, and I'm sure you realize that English is not my first language because of the accent that I have. I was born and raised in Korea, I'd never spoken English before I became like 24 years old. Of course, I studied English back in my middle school and high school in Korea, but that English that I studied was not to speak and listen, but it was for the test, you know, the exam. So I'm sure you will need to pay more attention to what I say, otherwise you will miss me somewhere, okay? Before I came to the United States, I was a full-time missionary in the Philippines for four years. When I went to the Philippines in 2003 for the missionary works, I had to learn Filipino culture and language a little bit to be able to connect with them. My life in the Philippines was full of grace and love because I learned how to love people and how to be loved by people in the Philippines. I have many stories that I can share with you about the missionary experiences, but if so, you may stay here forever, so I won't tell you all, but I'd like to share with you a simple story about how to connect with others, especially for the gospel. When I first went to the Philippines, several youth members of the church invited me to eat a ballot with them in the afternoon. Have you heard about the ballot? Okay, some of you not, right? I heard about the ballot, but I had not been ready to eat it. A ballot is a boiled duck egg, not a chicken egg, okay, boiled duck egg, which has been developed of duckling inside for 10 to 14 days. So if you crack the shell and open the egg, you can see a boiled body of duckling inside. 
So my youth members invite me to eat. And when I open it, I saw inside. And do you think I could eat? Oh no, I, I, I couldn't eat the bottle at that time. So I said, I'm sorry, I, I cannot eat it now. And my youth members understood me. On that night, I thought that what happened in the afternoon, and I realized that it was a shame that I couldn't eat it. So I prayed, oh God, help me to eat a ballot. <laughs> Strengthen me to eat it. You know, if you want to see the ballot, you can Google it, ballot. You can see the picture on it. A few days later, I asked my youth members again to go to ballot. And they were surprised, but you know, with joyful spirit, they brought me to a ballot, small ballot store, which was located in the middle of public market. I pray for the strength, and I opened it, and I saw inside, and I drank a soup in it, and I ate it all. At the time, something happened. I didn't realize that people passing by me stopped to see me when I tried to eat a ballot because they saw me, oh, one Koreano here, and he opened the ballot and he was about to eat it. So all people passing by me just stopped and looking at me in the middle of public market. <laughs> I didn't know that because I was focusing on the ballot. God, give me a strength, give me a strength, give me a strength. But you know what? Around 25 or 30 Filipino people stood around me, and when I ate it, they raised a cheer on me and joyfully say, They clapped me like that. From that moment, they became my friends, and I became their friend. Balot that I was not able to eat before has become a means of connection between they and I. I came to the United States in 2007 after four years of my missionary works to study my doctoral degree. As soon as I came to my school Asbury Theological Seminary in Kentucky in 2007, which is a very great school, okay? If you wanna go to seminary, go to Asbury. I had to, I had to work at the dish room in the cafeteria as an international student's dish room in the, for the dinner time. One day, while washing dishes during the dinner time, one of my co-workers who was born and raised in Kentucky and a very kind and sweet lady talked to me saying, Eugene, I got a Charlie horse. I got a Charlie horse. When she talked to me that she got a Charlie horse, I was busy washing all dishes and I didn't know, I didn't understand what that meant. Charlie horse? English is not my mother tongue. <laughs> what I could do was to smile at her washing the dishes. <laughs> what is Charlie horse? <laughs> and she said again, Eugene, I got a Charlie horse. I got a Charlie horse. Finally, I asked her back, you know, it's a Kentucky, okay? 
I asked back, Rachel, who is Charlie? Why did you take his horse? <laughs> she bursted out, and it was just a simple episode of miscommunication because of the language barrier. But it was also a good example of how to not produce misunderstanding from miscommunication. Because usually miscommunication produces misunderstanding each other. Let's think about these two stories that I share with you today. People in the Philippines and I, we were totally different people in every aspect. Me and Rachel, it was, not, it was an encounter with someone who was totally different, right? Different from each other also. I was born and raised in Korea. Rachel was born and raised in Kentucky. You know, Korean language is my mother tongue. English is her mother tongue. I have lived based on Korean culture. I love kimchi. I love rice. She's absolute Kentuckian lady having a different culture from me. Ethnically, I'm an Asian and a man, and she's a white lady. There was no common area to make a connection between she and I. We were able, we, we were absolute stranger each other. So it was so natural to have miscommunication between she and I because we are different. It was not easy to eat a ballot at first because I was different from people in the Philippines. I never ate ballot before. However, differences didn't bring up misunderstanding or misjudgment. We learned how to respect one another. And I could learn that difference didn't mean separation. Again, difference doesn't mean separation, but it means harmony. We are different, okay? Everybody's different. Then it is time to practice harmony. You know, connecting with others for the gospel is the same. Connection with others means that we harmonize with one another in spite of differences. One of the examples of connection with others can be found from the today's scripture, John chapter 4. We all know this story well. When Jesus was on the way to, to go to Galilee, he and his disciples stopped by Samaria. There are people called Samaritans. And Jews and Samaritans did not associate with each other because of different ethnic identity. But to be exact, Jews looked down on Samaritans. While Jesus was left alone beside of the well because his disciples went out to get some food, one Samaritan woman came to the well to get water. There was no reason to connect between Jesus and the Samaritan woman at a time. They could simply ignore to each other, pretend nothing, like I don't see him, I don't see her like that. But suddenly, Jesus asked her, hey, can you give me a water to drink? I'm thirsty. It was a shock and huge shock to Samaritan women because no Jews associate with the Samaritans. And moreover, he was a Jewish man and she was a Samaritan woman. 
So she asked in, she asked in return, hey, you are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Simply speaking, she meant we are different. There are no way to associate between us. And now you ask me for a drink? No way. What Jesus did was countercultural at the time, really countercultural, because no Jews talked to Samaritan. That's why Samaritan woman was surprised. And at that time, Jesus suggests a living water for her. It is like this. I am asking you for a drink, but I will give you a living water that makes you no thirsty again. You see, Jesus crossed over the cultural boundary. He went against the social common ideas that no Jews talked to the Samaritan. What he first said to the Samaritan woman was, could you give me water? He did not teach her God's word. He did not you know, instruct her how to live in this world to be a sincere godly person. But Jesus asked her for help. I'm thirsty. Can you give me water? I think we can find a key here to open the door, the door of connecting with others through this story. Jesus was in need, and he asked her help. By asking her help, Jesus could connect with her, and by connecting with her, Jesus could suggest to give her living water, which is redemption and salvation from troubles, from oppression, from depression, from marginalization. By connecting with her, through asking her help, Jesus Christ could help her to have the hope in God's kingdom. You know, Jesus could restore the joy of salvation in her life. And this story presents us why and how we need to connect with others. You know, Christian mission is not uni unilateral. It's not a one way, right? Christian mission is always a bilateral, mutual. When I first went to the Philippines as a missionary in 2003, I thought that I was a person to give and they were, pe they were people to receive from me. I thought I was the only person giving resources that they needed, and so I thought I had to give them and they had to receive from me. What an arrogant missionary I was. I was so ignorant and I was so arrogant. But later I realized that I was totally wrong. In Christian mission, no one is only giver and no one is only recipient, but we are all cooperating for God's mission. Later in the Philippines, I had to confess my fault. I said to my Filipino friends there, say, I thought I came here to mission you but now I know that you have a more mission me than I have a mission you. You know, I just use the mission as a verb, not a noun, because mission is active and practical. We can see the bilateral interaction between Jesus and the Samaritan woman, and it shows how to connect with others for the gospel. 
You know, my church is located in the Northern Virginia, near from Washington, D.C. You know, if you have a chance to go to Northern Virginia, yeah, you will be surprised. Like, oh, there is no land. Yeah, there is no land. There's all the buildings like that, all buildings. It is a city area, and there are a lot of people from different countries having different backgrounds, languages, ethnicities, and cultures. You know, if you go to Northern Virginia, you can find very good Korean restaurants there, a lot of good Korean restaurants. And we have been told that America is like a melting pot. And it is so natural to say that in my area, because it is really melting pot, that many different people live together and engage together. But somehow, we don't know how to connect with others. Honestly, we are afraid of connecting with others who are different from me. Moreover, there are boundaries and barriers to connect with others because of all differences. We, people, are afraid of miscommunication because of different understandings of everything. Language barrier is also big. Well, I'm a Korean-American, the first generation of immigrant in my family. My worldview was formed in Korean culture, but now I need to use more westernized viewpoint to live in the United States. Naturally, it is more comfortable to me to make a connection with other Korean Americans than other people. But however, I really have to go beyond my homogeneous boundary to connect with other people. For what? For the gospel. For the gospel. In 2017, when my bishop appointed me to the Present Valley Church in Chantilly, the Present Valley Church has been like a couple of weeks ago, we celebrated 128th anniversary. So 2017, when I went to the church to have a meeting with them, they didn't have any idea who, who their next pastor would be. And they were maybe expecting maybe white, handsome, you know, male pastors coming for their new pastor. I just opened the door with my wife and I say, good afternoon. <laughs> yeah, I'm a pastor here. <laughs> I am the first Korean American pastor serving the church in Present Valley Church now. Well, culturally, I feel more comfortable to be in the Korean American immigrant church because after church, they have a Korean food. <laughs> and for the message, I don't need to speak English. I can speak Korean, right, for the message. And I can pray in Korean, right? So I've, culturally, I feel more comfortable to be with Korean American for the ministry. But when my bishop appointed me to go to President Valley UMC, I had to go beyond my own cultural boundaries. For what? For the gospel. For the gospel, for the gospel. When I went to the Philippines, I was afraid because I, have to, I had to leave from my Korean culture, my Korean food, my Korean friends. However, later, I realized that I could be connected with, with the people in the Philippines 
Because even we were different in every aspect, we could be connected by mutual understandings and mutual respect. That's why I said I learned how to love people and how to be loved by people. What Jesus did was to go beyond his Jewish culture, Jewish identity, and talk to the Samaritan woman to connect with her for the gospel. The question that I have for all of us is whether we are ready to go beyond our boundaries, whether we are willing to connect with others for the gospel. When my friend Rachel talked to me, Eugene, I got a child yours. I got a child yours. It was not a simple complaint that she had a pain on her leg, but it was an ask for help because in front of her, there was a big cooking pot that she was supposed to move up to the shelf. I didn't understand what she meant at first, so there was miscommunication. But however, later, I realized that she needed my help. So with a smiling at each other, I came up to her and I moved a heavy cooking pot to the shelf for her. It was a huge challenge to eat a ballot at first, but ballot was not a sinful food to challenge to eat, but it was a means of connection with others because through a ballot, I was welcomed by people and I could be fully engaging with them. These two stories are simple examples of how to connect with others, how to interact with others. We should talk, we should go out, and we should talk, we should cross our cultural boundaries intentionally we really, we really need to approach to other people, going behind our own cultures to connect with others is not comfortable. That's why cross-cultural ministry, that's why Christian mission is not natural, but it must be intentional. Intentionally, we have to go out. Intentionally, we have to engage with other people. As we see Jesus' intentionality, to connect with a Samaritan woman, we also have to be intentional to connect with others for the gospel. So, go out, talk to people, eat their food, learn how to respect their lives. If you need, ask for help and offer what you have, the gospel. Well, I want to share with you a story that I have. You know, last night I shared with Keith about it, what happened about the connections for the God's kingdom. Just let me share with you this story. When I was in Kentucky for my study, one day my son, who was third grade at a time in elementary school, came to me and said his friends in the school were shocked when my son said, said that he had not been in Applebee's. They say, hey, Bean, Bean is the name of my son, you know. Yeah. Now, actually, he's in the college now, but when he was third grade, his friends say, hey, Bean, you've never been in the Applebee's? You're living in the United States, but you've never been in the Applebee's? What? 
After school, my son came to me and talked to me like that. So I said, oh, what a big deal, Applebee's. Okay, maybe we can go someday, Applebee's. But you know what? We couldn't go to Applebee's because I didn't have money to go to Applebee's. I was just international students. On the night, I was walking to my study carol to, to write my dissertations. It, takes, it took like five to 10 minutes maybe walking from my house to the uh, study carol. I just pray, I just pray to God. God, you listen to what being said this, uh, this afternoon. His friends were shocked because he never been the Applebee's. But I want to bring him Applebee's, but I need, I think we are four family members, so I think I need $50. But God, please give me $50 to go to Applebee's. It was so honest and raw prayer, raw prayer. God, give me $50. I want to go to the Applebee's with Bill and my family. You know, it was very honest prayer. Right? It was very honest prayer. A couple of weeks later, one of my professors in Asbury gave me a card, and when I opened it, I saw there was $100. And she said, you know, Eugene, I pray for you every morning. And you know, I'm so proud of you because you're doing a great job in the school, and somehow God inspired me to give me money. Okay. <laughs> so I got a $100, and then I close my eyes and pray, God, please open my eyes to see those who need this money because I want it to be a channel of blessings, right? So I, I want to see who need this money now. Please, God, I just close my eyes and pray. And suddenly, God remind me of my prayer for $50 a few weeks ago. Wow, I asked God for $50, but God gave me $100, right? That's great, wow. Joyfully, I was about to run to my wife to tell her what happened. On the way to go to my house, I met in the campus, I met one student from India recently. And you know, the, the, uh, his name is Ebenezer and Esther, and they have two boys. And I met him in the campus, and suddenly I just said, hey, Eb, I will go to Applebee's. <laughs> and God answered to my prayer. And then he looked at me and said, Eugene, what is Applebee's? Oh my, he even didn't know Applebee's? Okay, I never knew the Applebee's, but you didn't know the Applebee's? Oh, what's wrong here? So um, I asked, I suggest that, you know, I suggest him that, hey, next Monday is election day, so no school, okay? So, why don't we go to Applebee's together with my family and with your family? And he said, oh, I don't have a car. Don't worry about it. I can borrow the school car for you. And you know, my wife will, will drive my car so I can pick you up. So following Monday, I went to his house for the, before lunch. And you know, two boys jumped into the school, school you know, van. And they jumped in and they said, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. No, no, no. It's not from me. It's from God. Okay? Okay, let's go. And Ebenezer said, oh, no, thank you. Thank you. No, no, it's not from me. It's from God. Okay? Let's enjoy. Okay? So we went to Applebee's and with the two cars, my wife drove and I drove the school van. So we went to the Applebee's uh, named Nicholasville, white majority area, opened the Applebee's for Indians, for Koreans. People look at me, people look at us, oh. 
So I said, okay, do you have a table for eight? Oh, yes, 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 yes. So in the lunchtime in Applebee's, I don't know if you know that, they have a Happy Meal. So the kids, they order Happy Meals. I said, eat whatever you want, order whatever you want. And we had a great time. You know, I, with $100, I could spend like $95, $96, with a, including tip. So wow, or four, three, four or $5 left. So it was a great meal. I brought them to home. I brought them to their home. And, and on the way to, 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 to go to their house, they say, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I said, no, 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 please stop saying thank Thank you, because it's not from me, it's from God, please. They say, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> I dropped them in their house. Next day, which is Tuesday, I was on the way to go to my house to have a lunch with my wife. And I was crossing the student center in the Asbury Seminary, this cafeteria. I saw Ebenezer and Esther, they were lined up for the lunch in the cafeteria. So I was walking and it's a little bit distance there. So I just waved my hands, hey! And Ebenezer and Esther, and they waved back. And then suddenly, Ab called me, Eugene! And he just ran to me. So I stopped and I wait. And he came to me. And you know what he said? He said, Thank you for, the, for yesterday. You know what? I was a little bit embarrassed and I was a little bit upset because there are too many thank you. So I was about to say, please stop saying thank you anymore. I was about to say that. And I look at his eyes to say that. And at a time, God opened my eyes to see that the word of God has been just realized. You know what? In Luke chapter 17, verse 20 and 21, Jesus says, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. I knew that word, I knew that the verse is right, but when I look at his eyes, God opened my eyes to see the kingdom of God is in our midst with $100, with sharing, with connecting. You know, think about it. A couple of weeks ago, my son came to me and said, what happened in the school? That about the Applebee's. What a stupid Applebee's, right? And, and I just pray for $50. God give me $50. But God did, didn't give me $50, but God gave me $100. I met Ebenezer in the way, and I said Applebee's, and I could invite them somehow. We could have a time for the lunch. And when he said thank you, that was the kingdom of God. I realized that. So I want to ask you a question. Okay? If you need $50, okay, to go to Applebee's, but you don't have $50, what will you do? That's question number one, okay? You need $50. Question number two, okay, okay you are the CEO of the big company, and now you need $5 million by tomorrow, but there is no way to get a $5 million. It's so critical moment. As a Christian, what will you do? Oh yeah, for the $5 million, I'm gonna pray. What about for the $50? Or 
You're not, not going to pray? What will you do? You know my question, right? What will you do? Connecting with others for the gospel is the same, I believe. Even I say, go and talk. Try to go beyond your cultural boundaries. But you know what? To be a missionary in your life, simply you can ask God, God, strengthen me to go beyond my cultural boundary, to make connections with others. Further gospel. And then we will experience the kingdom of God in the midst, in our midst. You know, JBU, I came here from Virginia yesterday to talk to you these simple stories. But in these stories, we can find a foundation of how to connect with others for the gospel. As Christians, we all need to go beyond our comfort zone and our cultural boundaries to engage with others, to connect with others for the gospel. And before that, of course, as a pastor, I have to say that we have to pray to be a missionary in our life. This is the message that I brought here for today. Let's go beyond our cultural boundaries with prayer, not to correct them, not to instruct them, but to introduce the living water we have. We need to go out and connect with them with prayer. Then, unilaterally and mutually, we will experience the presence of, presence of God's kingdom in our midst. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, thank you for this time that you call us together to listen to your message about making connection with others for the gospel. And Jesus Christ, you show us the great example how to make a connection through the story of story of a Samaritan woman. Help us, Lord, to go, to go behind our own cultural boundary. Help us, Lord, to practice your kingdom in our life as a missionary, Lord, so that we will experience the kingdom of God is our midst, and then we will experience the presence of Holy Spirit in our life. We pray for all this in the name of our Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of the John Brown University Chapel Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, and we'd love it if you'd leave us a review.